What if there was a better way to communicate than the way we're currently doing it? Wouldn't it be awesome? The, the reality is that the Bible uh, is one of the most practical books that ever written. I mean, we tend to turn it into a theological journal that we debate about, and we turn it into parsing details and all that kind of stuff. And that's fine. Feel free to do that. I've spent far uh, many, 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 many years in school doing that very thing. But, but sometimes in the throes of doing all of that, we forget that this is the owner's manual for living. This is the instruction booklet. This is how we are to live out the Christian life that God's given us. And so we're in a series we've simply been calling uh, uh, We Need to Talk, and we've been talking about those issues of communication, understanding that the Bible is very direct about these subjects and not just direct in terms of challenging us in the way we communicate, but actually helping us to get good at it. So for those of you that are new, uh, we started out by talking about the power of words, that, that words, in fact, are this powerful thing. They are, in fact, seeds that produce a harvest, and you get the harvest of the seeds that you plant. Last week, we talked about communication mistakes that we often make in a message that I called, Don't Talk to Me Like That, and so we're kind of unpacking some of the mistakes. Next week, we're going to talk about conflict resolution. We're going to talk about what do you do when you're trying to communicate, but quite honestly, the tension is so high, you can't cut through the tensions. How do you deal with that? How do you, as James Dobson calls it, how do you fight fair? <laughs> how, do you, how do you actually grow as a result of working those things out? And we're going we're gonna to learn how to resolve conflict in our relationships next week. And then finally, we're going to learn about how to communicate without even using words. How do you, how do you actually communicate heart to heart, emotion to emotion, uh, but today, I want to give you some skills. I want to help you to understand some, some simple principles, simple to say, not always easy to do, that will help you to communicate in an effective way, uh, assuming you're in a healthy relationship and you've got some issues that have to be dealt with. Uh, Kim and I have been married 43 years. Uh, we got issues. Uh, you got issues. All God's children got issues. You know, it's just relationships have issues. We'll talk about that next week. But let's assume... That, that you're getting along okay, but there's some stuff you need to talk about. And quite frankly, it can be hard to talk about stuff. If it's a problem to be solved or a disagreement to be worked through, it can be tough. And I hear people say all the time, you know, how do I get him to listen to me? How do I get her to understand what I'm trying to say? How do I get through? I just don't understand what they're saying. And if you've ever felt that way, here's my guarantee to you, okay? The Bible guarantees that the people in your life will listen to you if you do it God's way. In fact, it doesn't just guarantee it. It tells you how to do it. So let's get into it. The bottom line truth is found in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 2. I like the way the good news paraphrases it. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. When wise people speak, they make knowledge attractive. In other words, they speak in a way that people want to hear what they have to say. They not just hear, but they want to listen to what you're saying. Any of you agree with me there's a difference between hearing and listening? There's a difference in it. I mean, there are sounds in this room right now that you are hearing, but quite frankly, you're filtering most of them out. You're not really paying attention to them. They're not affecting you. They're not changing the way you think or calling you to action. Listening is focusing on those sounds, focusing on what's going on, absorbing them, responding to the meaning of those things. And Solomon says people who are wise make uh, knowledge so attractive that people actually want to not just hear it, but listen to it and, and receive it and focus on it and change. So in the few minutes we've got today, I just want to give you the seven 
uh, simple principles of communication. I'm putting it in action steps so you can kind of mark them as you go. Go to the Bridge NC app and call that up. Save it to your journal so you can take notes because these are the kinds of messages that you're going to want to refer to over and over and over again. If you don't get the notes today, then email us at info at bridgechurch.cc. We'd be glad to give you the very manuscripts that I'm using uh, now so that you can study these things because at the end of the day, we need to communicate effectively with the people in our lives. I'll say it again. I say it every week. Uh, I am going to be using marriage a good bit as an illustration today, but the principles we're talking about apply to every relationship you have. Well, it can be a coworker, it can be a friend, it can be a fellow church member, it can be parent-child. It applies in all of those situations. So here's what I want you to do to make it practical. I want you to get a relationship in your mind right now where you know there's an issue that you really probably should address, really kind of want to address, not sure how to address. I want you to get that in your mind. It may be in a marriage. It may be in another kind of relationship. And as we walk through these principles, I want you to start the journey, because that's your homework assignment. I want you to start the journey of thinking through how do we communicate in a God-honoring way so that the people in my life, this person or these people, will not just hear what I'm saying, but they, in fact, will listen to what I'm trying to to say. Is that worth a few minutes of our time? If, if you're already perfect at communication, God bless you. Go on to brunch. We'll see you next week. We'll pick up conflict resolution. But then if you're really good at communication, you don't have any conflict. So God bless you. You can take a couple of weeks off. But since all of us have struggles, I heard a yes. I heard an amen. This might be good stuff for us to deal with. Let's get into it. Prince number one uh, in communication, effective communication, is you've got to choose the right time. You've got to pick the right time. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 6 says there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, and I could add to that, especially when it comes to communication. Fact of the matter is, timing is everything in communication. You can have a great message, but if you have bad timing, the message will never get through. Is that true? Let me ask you this way. Have you ever had somebody telling you a joke, and about three-quarters of the way through the joke, they go, I can't remember the punchline. <laughs> they just wasted all that time talking because they don't want to hear because because timing is everything in communication. Every great communicator knows that timing is, is everything, but not just timing, but time. Here's the mistake that, that I have made. Maybe none of you have ever made it before, but I have. I start a conversation because I'm ready to talk, but I never stop to think about the other person. Are they ready to listen? Where are they? What's going on in their hearts? What's going on in their minds? Is this a good time for them to listen? In fact, let me just mention four bad times. Four times you should never say we need to talk. You, you may want to write these down, okay? First of all, you never say we need to talk when the other person is tired, stressed out, or frustrated. Right? I mean, kids learn this really early, right? They said, don't talk to dad until he's in a good mood. I mean, they're just, it's just so simple. And yet as adults, we tend to forget that. The second one is when they just walk through the door. Kim and I, most of you know, Kim and I spent... Uh, the 80s in the Philippines as missionaries, what you may not know is that we lived in Baguio City and Kim had the amazing task, she's an amazing woman, uh, of raising three small boys. Our boys were two and four when we went and our third child was born there. She raised those boys while I tromped around in the rainforest, you know. And so I would be gone for a week or two at a time doing crusades and different uh, trainings and seminars, and I'd come back uh, home, and, and in those first couple of years, I'd come home, and, and she's just had it up to here, 
raising three boys in a foreign land and, you know, stuff isn't working right. And I'd walk through the door and she'd go through this litany of the dryer quit and the refrigerator's not getting cold and she'd just go through this litany of stuff. And I'm, I just spent 12 days in the rainforest. I haven't had a shower in 12 days. And I just, can I have just a minute, please? It was just a wrong time. I wanted to hear what she had to say. I wanted to be there for her, but it just wasn't a good time. And so we finally had a conversation about, can we talk about timing? Could I have a, just a decompressing kind of few moments before we get into the issues of the day and it solved the problem? The third time you never say we need to talk is when they're hungry. Now, that's, that's, that's funny. I get it. Well, you've heard of the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, right? But there, is, there are literally studies out there. Columbia University did a study that said most violent arguments happen just before meals. You know, low blood sugar, uh, hunger pains. I was at a restaurant this week. They actually had a sign on the counter that, that's called hangry. You know what hangry is? That's I'm both hungry and I'm angry about it. I'm, I'm hangry. And so don't say we need to talk when they're hangry. It just ain't going to work out for you, okay? The, the fourth one and the most important one is don't say we need to talk when there's one minute left in the Duke Carolina game. Just don't, just don't even bring it up. Don't expect to get anywhere if you do. You got to pick the right time. Got it? Ready for principle two? Principle number two is you got to plan your presentation. You've got to plan your presentation. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 23, from a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Pastor Jim paraphrased, the more prepared you are to speak, the more persuasive you'll be. The more prepared you are to speak, the more persuasive you will be. The inverse is also true. The less prepared you are to speak, the more likely you are to say something really dumb and you'll regret it later. And therefore, the less effective you'll be. So let me put it succinctly. Planning produces persuasion. Planning produces persuasion. Say it with me. Planning produces persuasion. So stop and think about what you're going to say before you say it. An awful lot of conflict conversations that we have, particularly in marriage, but it's true with our kids and other relationships, is we think and think and think about it. And then finally, when it comes out, it's in an emotional moment when we're losing an argument on some of the cases. Well, if you think that's something, here's what I've been thinking. And before you know, boom, we're all over. You didn't prepare your presentation and it ain't going to go well for you. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that you plan a speech and make a speech. Healthy, dial, healthy communication is a dialogue. I got one right. Healthy communication is a, it's a dialogue. I'm not telling you to prepare a speech. We'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. I mean, have you ever done that? You get the whole speech lined up and you're ready to lay it all out and, and you get three sentences in and, and the other person says, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. And they, and they, cut you off before you finish your argument and you go no no I got gotta get this off my chest I gotta tell you what I was saying and uh, it's not about getting it off your chest it's about connecting so if you prepare a speech you're going to be tempted to say I gotta finish my speech okay you're never going to get to where you want to go your goal is not to vent your goal is to be heard does that make sense that said, there are a couple of things you should plan. You really should plan your introduction. You should really stop and think about how am I going to bring this subject up. I mentioned last week or week before Dr. John Gottman, Washington University, who, who said that the first three minutes of a conversation determines how that whole conversation is going to go. 
So that means you, you spend some time thinking about how you're going to bring this thing up. Questions are always better than statements. And, but whatever form you use, never attack the person. If there's an issue to deal with, raise the issue, but never attack the person. Don't go after the person. And don't make accusatory, challenging kinds of statements in the opening of your conversation. You're never going to get anywhere. Let me give you some bad examples, just so you'll know, okay? If, if, if you feel like your partner, or your, your husband or your wife is not doing their share with the housekeeping around the house, don't start the conversation with, this place looks like a pigsty. Have the raid people called yet about shooting a commercial here? That's probably not going to get you where you want to go. Does that make sense? If your partner is, 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 you're struggling with spending issues, don't open the conversation with things like, your mother thinks, my mother thinks you're a tightwad. That's probably not going to work. If you feel like you're not being treated kindly, don't say something like, uh, why don't you treat me more like Joe treats his wife? It's just not going not gonna to get you where you want to go. If you're married to a workaholic, please don't say something like this. I know you've probably forgotten their names, but let me introduce you to your children. That's not going not gonna to work out for you. Plan your introduction. Don't start with an attack. Second thing you need to plan are some illustrations. And please understand, when I say plan some illustrations, I, I, I'm not suggesting that you get some, some arguments that you're ready to attack with. You're not an attorney who's trying to win a case. But nothing stops a conversation faster than for the person you're talking to to say, oh, man, I, I didn't realize that was an issue. Can you give me some examples? And you go, no, that's just how I feel. Well, you just ended the conversation because now you can't talk through it. So you need some examples. You need some illustrations, not ammunition to win the war, but some illustrations to say, well, let me give you an example. When this happened, that's how I wound up feeling. When, when that took place, this is the result of that. Here's the consequence of that cause. And so you have some examples ready. So pick the right time, plan your presentation, especially the introduction, and make sure that you have some good illustrations or examples because your goal is to, is to work through this and you want to be as clear as you can be. Make sure, though, that principle three is included in your planning uh, 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 process, and that is reverse roles. Reverse roles. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to whose needs? Their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Two keys to capturing attention is you ask yourself the question, no matter what the subject is, how will resolving this issue benefit the person I'm in relationship with? Second thing is simply how will how can we move forward in our relationship and deepen our relationship. So you always stop before you speak. Plan your presentation with introductions and illustrations, but put yourself in your partner's shoes. We'll unpack that a lot more deeply next week in conflict resolution, but but uh, but you need to understand that that we are built um, how do I say this kindly? We are selfish jerks. We look at everything through the lens of how does it affect me? 
Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. And don't make that a guy thing because gals, you're just as guilty as we are. We, there's just reality of our selfish nature that has to be. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I mean, it's like we're crucifying the flesh constantly. I mean, do you get a sale flyer uh, in the mail? Do you open it up and say, let me see how I can make a profit for them? No, you want to know what's in it for me. If I somehow took a picture of this crowd and put it up on the screens right now, you know how it would go, right? You would look at the picture. You would find who first, yourself, and here's how it goes. If there is spinach in your teeth, it is a horrible picture. It doesn't matter if there are 700 smiling, beautiful, glowing with halo faces. If it ain't a good picture of you, it's a bad picture. Can I get an amen in the house? But if it's a good picture of you, it don't matter if everybody else has got spinach in their teeth. Man, that was the best picture I ever saw because that's who we are. So you have to keep that in mind when you get into conversation with somebody. Can, can I tell you that I do that every week as your pastor? When I'm planning sermons, when I'm thinking about how I'm going to present a subject to you, I'm sitting there saying, Lord, help me to make sure that I'm answering the questions that life actually has them asking. Because if it doesn't benefit them, what right do I have to expect them to give me 30, 40 minutes of their time? If there isn't value in it, why should I expect them to listen to it? Does that make sense? And so you've got to think through, through this lens of, of, of who they are, where they are, how, what do I need to do in order to communicate this effectively from their perspective? Let me teach you a little thing. I may have taught these, mentioned this before, but, but this is huge in communications. Let me take a minute with it. One of the reasons this is so important is because human beings have, you may have heard of this, maybe you haven't, um, human beings have a thing called the reticular activating system. How many of you have ever heard of that? A lot of educators have heard of the RAS, the reticular activity, especially if you're a special ed teacher, if you're dealing with, with uh, kids who have autism, those kind of things, that, that becomes huge. But it's true for all of us. God created it in us because I mentioned a moment ago there are all kinds of sounds around us all the time. And if we didn't have an automatic way to filter those sounds, we'd go absolutely bananas. There are just so many sounds bombarding us constantly. We have to have a way to filter those things out in order to be able to survive. And so what the people that study this have discovered, that there are only really three sounds that get in, that get through that filter. There are things that threaten us. There are things that are unique. And there are things that we value. Those are the only three things that we actually allow through the filter. You, you tell me if it's true. When, when it comes to threat, parents, when, when one of your kids is playing on their video system too long and you want them to stop when did they hear you when you say Johnny that's enough now oh they didn't hear you say nothing Johnny that's enough now Johnny I said that's enough now what what it's the first time they heard you is when it, when it took on a threat. And I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, but that's reality because that's the only thing that gets through. We can have uh, lightning striking in the distance and thunder roaring in the distance, but you let lightning and thunder come at the same time. Boom! That's the most unnerving thing there is. Why? Because it suddenly become a threat. It got through. Does that make sense? How about, how about unique? And let me just say quickly, uh, the problem with threats, you understand, is that ultimately you may win 
the battle, but you may lose the relationship. And, and with kids, uh, they eventually uh, may call your bluff. You say, you know, I'm going to take that video game away from you for a month, and then the next week, okay, you can play. They'll just stop hearing you. And can I say to the married couples, if you're using divorce as a threat to get their attention, you better beware. One day they may call your bluff and hand you papers. Don't use threats in relationships. You may win the battle, but you will lose the relationship ultimately. How about things that are unique? You can dye your hair purple, get their attention. My, uh, our oldest son, Andrew, had a friend over one night when he was about 16, and they decided it would be fun to dye their hair blonde, and they used some chemicals that were not very expensive, if you know what I mean. And uh, so the next morning, uh, they came to church, and, uh, and Drew had a toboggan on, a toboggan on, on his, on his head. And so I saw that. I you know, cr- thought crossed my mind, come on, dude, you were in church. Take your head off. But I didn't think anything about it. We're going through the service. It came time for communion. And I guess Andrew decided that he probably should take his hat off for communion. And I'm about to serve communion. And he takes his toboggan off, and his hair is bright pumpkin orange. And I'm saying, I'm raising the cup, and I'm talking about the cup and the bread. Oh, my Lord Jesus, what did Andrew do? (laughs) So you can get their attention by doing something unique. I'm not sure it's the kind of attention you want. You can have an affair and get your spouse's attention. That's not the attention you want. No, the way to do it is discover what they value. Value gets in. The Bible says communication flows when you show interest in whose needs? Their needs. It's blocked when you only show interest in yours. So be honest. You can sit real still, but be honest with yourself for a minute. The times that you've gotten someone's attention, that that you had to raise the bar a little bit to get their attention, which one of those three did you start with? How did it work out? Um, Maybe you ought to stop and think, let me reverse roles before I open the conversation. Pick the right time. Plan your presentation. Begin with the other person's needs. You're ready for fourth principle? Now, can I just insert something around? You notice that we haven't said a word yet. We haven't started a conversation yet. This is all happening before we even start the conversation. Ready for number four? Number four is simple. Listen. The first thing you do when you start the conversation is you listen. You plan your introduction to get started, and then you Listen, if you want your message to get in, you have to be willing to hear them before you can expect them to be willing to hear you. Ask anybody who's in sales. They, they will tell you. It's one of the things that I learned many years ago in sales training. Uh, they, they told us, just imagine that the person you're trying to have a conversation with is carrying a suitcase and is absolutely full of stuff. If you want to get your message in their suitcase, you have to let them unpack their suitcase a little while in order for there to be room for your message. 
And if you don't take the time for them to unpack, then there's no room for your message. They don't want to hear what you've got to say because they're already carrying this heavy load already. So if you really, really, really want to get through, then you've got to listen before you speak. The problem is we don't really want dialogue. We just want to make our point. Hello? When I want my husband's opinion, I'll give him one. We had friends that actually had a sign in the foyer of their house uh, that says, uh, the opinions expressed by the husband in this house are not necessarily those of the management. (laughs) Hear me. Communication is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Proverbs 18, 13. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both blank and blank. What, what, What do you suppose goes into the blank? Is both spiritual and wise. No? What do you think goes in there? It's both, here we go, shameful and foolish. You ever been so anxious to make your point that you weren't really listening to the one you were in conversation with? Kim and I did that a lot in our early years of marriage, uh, and I realized somewhere along the way, or she did one, that that we weren't really listening to each other. We were just taking, waiting our turn to make our point. And eventually, as the tensions rose and the energies rose, we stopped waiting our turn, started breaking in on each other. And before you know it, we, we don't even know what the issues are because we're fighting about the way we're fighting. How dare you talk to me like that? How dare you say something like that? I deserve to be treated better than this. What was the issue? I don't remember. Because we weren't really listening to each other. We were just trying to get our point across. So what's the answer? James chapter 1, verse 19, everyone should be, what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be ang- become angry. I guarantee you that if you will be quick to listen and slow to speak, you will become slow to become angry. That alone would solve an awful lot of the marriage problems that Pastor Andy has to deal with in counseling sessions and small group leaders and all the people in our church that work together. It would solve a lot of the problems if we just do that. Have you figured out yet that listening is the only way you learn? There's not a person in this room who got a diploma or a degree or a certificate that you talked your way into. How'd you get it? You listened. You learned. And when you could demonstrate to the instructor that you had learned enough, you'd listened enough, they gave you a diploma or a degree or a certificate saying, yes, you know this information. You had to listen to get there. Uh, frankly, if you don't get your spouse, if you don't get your friends, maybe, maybe it's because you haven't shut up long enough to hear what's going on. Maybe you need to stop and listen. Pastor Jimmy Whitfield, who's been Kim and I's pastor for the last 30-plus years, uh, he says uh, that, that when God designed us, not only to give us two ears and one mouth, but he actually designed it so the mouth can be closed, but the ears never can be. So close your mouth and listen some more. By the way, uh, just a little side note, you realize the same thing's true with God? The best things you learn about God and how he works in your life are not revealed when you're busy talking, busy doing, busy, 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 busy. They are revealed to you when you're quiet. They're revealed to you when you have a quiet heart and you take time to listen 
and to learn from his presence, which is why he said, be still and know that I am God, which is why he said he maketh me to lie down in green pastures because he wants you to hear what he's got to say to you about how much he loves you and his plan for your life and the good things that he has for you. Can God thunder and get our attention? Sure he can. He's God. But what he wants is for us to listen. And oftentimes he comes in that still, small voice whispering to a quiet heart. Sadly enough for many of us, we only get to that point when we're forced to be at that point. That's why the psalmist said, blessed is the man who delights in his word and meditates on it day and night. God didn't just say listen. He said meditate, focus on, learn from, pay careful attention to. So when I say to you that you're going to get into a conversation where I can guarantee that you'll be heard, not only do you need to pick the time and plan your presentation and, re- re- and re- reverse roles, but you need to listen. And I mean really actually listen, meditate, hear what the person you're in relationship with is trying to say. And, and, and some people, some experts call that active listening. I call it listening with your eyes because the reality is we only retain about 10% of what we hear. We retain 50% of what we hear and see. Again, that's one of the reasons that we do all the stuff we do around here. That's the reason we have the, the screens, and that's the reason we have the app, and we ask you to download that and open it up and follow along because we know that as wonderful as my sermons are, they're like manna from heaven. They're fresh every day, and they rot after 24 hours. (laughs) Unless you have a mechanism for remembering them, holding on to them, getting them. So that's why we do this, and we give you the app, and we say email us at info at bridgechurch.cc because we want to reinforce what you heard. You know the saying, actions speak louder than words. What we see and hear is more memorable than what we just heard. Here, and not just that, but lots of studies have been done about communication that says only 7% of what we actually communicate comes through words. 93% of what we communicate is nonverbal in nature. It has to do with the look of our face or the language of our body or the tone of our voice or the volume of our voice. All of those things, the posture that we are holding, all of those things communicate 93% of what you're, what you're trying to say. Does that make sense? And so it's incredibly frustrating when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody and you want them to hear you, but you're sending a mixed signal. You're saying, here's an example, is there a difference between I'm not mad, and I'm not mad. Are you mad? Depends on your tone of voice and volume and body language and posture of what you're actually sending the messages. So listen first. We haven't even talked yet, remember? Listen first, but listen with your ears and your eyes, and only after you listen are you ready to say your piece, only after they unpack their suitcase Can you put your message in? Pick your time, plan your presentation, introductions, have some illustrations ready. Begin with their needs and listen. Now you're ready to say what it is that you came to say. How do you do that effectively? There are three more principles. How do you do that effectively? First of all, you communicate hope. You come in with intentions of communicating hope. How many love to get bad news? 
You just, you just can't hardly wait to get bad news. Nobody? How many have a friend, I won't say a spouse, you have a friend, you know somebody who every time you see them coming, you brace yourself because they have branded themselves as the bad news person. Oh, Lord, what's happening now? And don't you love to see those people coming? No, you don't. You kind of shrink. And if you see them in Walmart, you cut down the other aisle, you know, so you can see them from a distance and say, hey, brother, how you doing, man? Because you, know, you know they're going to come with bad news, and I don't want to hear bad news now. I got enough bad news already. Don't position yourself in your relationships as the bad news bears. Don't do it. What do I do, Jim? I see all this bad stuff happening. You tell me just ignore it, pretend it isn't there? No, I'm not. I'm just saying when you communicate it, communicate it hopefully. I mean, that's the key. At the end of the day um, is you have to find a way to be realistic about the problem but optimistic about the solution. Well, that's not possible. Well, it is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what living by faith means. You've come to that place where you're hearing what Jesus has to say, and he's saying, I've come to give you life, and that life in all its fullness. And so here you are, got to have a hard conversation, but instead of just saying, blah, here's what's going on, you're talking about um, being realistic about the problem but optimistic about the solution. That's what people of faith do. So say with me. People of faith, is it on the screens? Here we go. People of faith are realistic. Here we go. People of faith are realistic about the problem, and optimistic about the solution. Is that possible? Again, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that it is. Again, it's what I try to do every Sunday that I share with you. Every time I come out, I mean, if you've been here very long, you know, you know, we don't avoid subjects here. We don't dodge issues here. We deal with the full counsel of God. We talk about the scriptures and what does the Bible say. And we're honest with the word of God, but I dare say most people that leave our church, in fact, I hear it over and over again, uh, so I hesitate any time to say always, but I think most people leave here going, man, I, I think I can do this. I think I can take on the world. I think I, think I can I deal with this issue. I think I can get better. There is a hope that is communicated in the midst of telling the things that are actually going on. And so I say things like God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much for you to stay the way you are. He wants you to grow. He wants to help you get there. And so we go and say, man, I think I can take it. You know, we live in a day when some people like to say, you know, well, you should always be positive. Uh, there was a book that was famous in, in my generation, I'm Okay, You're Okay. All right? You know what I have to say about that book? <laughs> Fact is, I'm not always okay, and you ain't so hot yourself half the time. I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's, that's the real book that ought to be written out there. But we know in Christ there are answers. In Christ there are solutions. So we don't have our heads in the clouds, but at the same time, we're not walking around, you know, like Tigger all the time. Good morning. If it is, which I doubt. <laughs> no, we do this because we genuinely believe I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We really believe greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We actually believe that all things work together for the good 
to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We actually believe that. We actually believe that the Holy Spirit has come to be our comforter and our guide and our teacher and our help and to empower us to deal with whatever life throws at us. We actually believe that stuff. And so when you believe it, you speak it. You speak that way. That's what I'm saying. Look at what Solomon said, Proverbs 16, 21. The wise are known for their understanding. Their pleasant words make them better teachers. The inverse of that is also true. I'm never persuasive when I am abrasive. Have you ever noticed that they build monuments to people who are criticized? They never build monuments to critics. So see the problem, be realistic, but come with hope because I believe the more hopeful, the more pleasant you are, the more persuasive you'll be. On the other hand, we talked about this in the opening message of the series. If you're always telling your husband you're a jerk, then don't be surprised if he says, I know, I'm trying to live up to your expectations. Labeling reinforces the negative, but real being real about the problems and optimistic about the solutions brings hope. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you share bad news, hopefully? Well, there's two things you've got to do. First of all, you've you got to present the problem, not your solution. That's the biggest mistake we make. You've got to bring the problem, not the solution. Uh, the problem may very well, very well be real, and you may be right about that problem, but that doesn't mean that your solution to the problem is, is complete because you have your perspective on the solution. Kim and I made this mistake in the early days where I would come and say, here's a problem, here's what we need to do, but I didn't take into her, her perspective on the problem into consideration, so my solution was flawed. Do you know we do that with God? We go to God and say, here's what's going on, here's what I need you to do. And then we get mad when he doesn't do what we told him to do. And the reason he didn't do it is because our solution was flawed. He had a better plan in mind. He had better things for us than that. We couldn't see it yet because we're so ingrained in our problem. So we just come up with a solution. Say, okay, God, here's what I need you to do. So wait a minute. Well, I thought he was God, not you. Maybe his ways are higher than yours, and maybe he can see the beginning from the end, and maybe you want his perspective on the solution. Well, when you're in relationship with another human being, they may not see the full picture, but they have their perspective. They can look at the same mountain from their angle just like you did from yours. So you come and say, here's the problem. We need to find a solution together. And the second thing you do in order to bring bad news with hope as you state your faith. You make sure you put your faith in there. I know that in Christ we can find a solution to this. I know that Jesus Christ will bring us through this. We can find a solution together. Be hopeful. So pick a time. Plan your presentation. Begin with needs. Listen. When you start talking, communicate hope. The second thing you do when you're talking is you look for agreement. Principle number six is look for agreement. Philippians 4, 2, be of the same mind in the Lord. This is what we agreed on. This is what we still have to work on. We may not have solved all the problems, but we have come to agreement. At least we walked away with agreement on this one thing. I can't tell you the number of times that Kim and I have, have had conversations, and I came away believing that we said this, and she came away believing that we said that. Any married people in the room would say, Amen. I said, well, I thought we said, well, I thought, you know why? 
this happens in business too. Uh, when we're in a conversation in a meeting, we remember what we said. We don't always remember what they said. Well, the person you're relating to is doing the same thing you are. They're remembering what they said, not necessarily remembering what you said. But the Bible is clear. Jesus is in the midst of agreement. So where two or three agree is touching anything, I'm there in the midst. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, when the early church came together in unity, in agreement, that's when the Holy Spirit showed up and launched the church. You want Holy Spirit power in your family, in your, in your marriage, in your relationships? Then, then look for agreement. Find something that you agree about. Even if you just agree that we're in relationship together, we're going to find a solution to this thing. Come to agreement because that's where the Holy Spirit lives. Finally, and I'll close, is end with an encouraging word. End with an encouraging word. Proverbs 12, 25, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Exit lines are huge. So always, 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 did I say always, always try to end with something. That even if it was a heated conversation, even if you're still angry, even if you didn't get anywhere at all, you just kind of put it on the table and you started attacking each other, stop and say, you know what? I believe we're going to get through this. I may not like you very much right now, but I love you and I'm committed to you. We're going to get past this. And I believe that God will get us there so let's go pray, and we'll come back and try again. That's where we'll start next Sunday, talking about conflict resolution when we tried and it didn't work. What do you do from there? So what are the seven principles? Choose the right time. Plan your presentation, especially the introduction to it. Have some illustrations ready. Begin with their needs, not yours. Listen first. When you do talk, communicate hope. Look for agreement if it's just a basic one. At the end of the day, and end with an encouraging word. This is hard stuff, but we can do all things through Christ. So let me close with this question. Does that sound easy? It's not, is it? Here's a sad reality. Probably none of us had role models that understood that stuff. And so while we may not have liked the way our parents handled conflict in the home, we don't like the way our boss or our coworkers or our church members or former pastors handle conflict. We don't like that stuff. It's still all we know. So it takes a real effort to come back to, which is why I brought you the psalm. It takes a real effort to come back and say, Lord, I'm going to think about what you've said. I'm going to meditate on what you've said. I'm going to learn from what you've said by listening to what you said. I'm going to talk less and listen more to you, Lord. And whatever he tells you, hear his words because he loves you more than you can even imagine. Would you bow with me in prayer? I realize on a day like this and a place like this, we're, we're at every different level of spiritual a relationship with God. Some of you perhaps are not sure you have a relationship with Christ. Some of you have been walking with him for decades. But wherever you are in this journey, we need to learn to listen more than we speak, meditate on his word, and allow him to speak his love, 
his strength, his principles into our hearts. So would you listen to the voice of God right now? Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Forget about all the stuff I've been saying this morning. Just listen to the voice of God right now. Say, Lord, what do you want to say to me about the way I'm trying to communicate with the people in my life? Thank you, Lord, for speaking to all who open their hearts to hear. Now, would you pray a prayer with me? Silently or aloud, I don't care. Let it go something like this. Lord, I know that your wisdom has stood the test of time. While it doesn't come naturally or easy, I believe it's the best way. So forgive me for communicating badly, ineffectively, sinfully. Help me to learn these principles. And I will thank you for the healthy relationships that come from it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you so much for coming to the bridge today. You that are watching online, thanks for being with us today. I do pray that some of these practical truths will sink in, get the message, get these notes, download them, study them, ask the Lord to speak into your heart. I believe it will improve your relationships greatly. If you're new at the bridge, I would love to meet you. If we haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you over at the guest gathering by the coffee shop. We've got a free cup of coffee for you. I'd love to put that in your hands. Some of the other staff and group leaders will be there uh, as well, and I'd love to come over and meet you. I'd just love to say hi. So glad that you're here today, so take advantage of that gathering. We'll only keep you a few minutes. You can go pick up your kids from Bridge Kids. Uh, they'll take care of them until you get there, okay? God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. Father, keep us safe as we travel from this place. I pray that you would uh, use us this week in our relationships as well as in the new relationships that we will make. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.